Well, hello, kids. And welcome to the very first episode of the Eager Beaver podcast, a podcast providing incisive commentary on Canadian politics and general culture. Today, recording day, is Monday, April 19th, 2021, and it is a beautiful, bright, crisp, and sunny spring day here at the Beaver Dam. I'm your host, the Eager Beaver, and I am just delighted that your ears, my loyal and dedicated kits, whether you have been with me since I started the True North Eager Beaver blog page on Facebook over a decade ago, or whether you have recently stumbled upon it, that yours are the very first ears to embark upon this adventure with me. Of course, a big thank you goes to our podcast's founding sponsors, The Peppermaster, The Misfee Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com who all agreed to throw their support behind us before we had even put a sample episode together for them to hear. Now that's some blind faith, kids. For this, our very first episode, I just love saying that, (laughs) we'll be giving you a general lay of the Canadian political landscape. The three major federal parties have all recently held their policy conventions. Future Prime Minister, currently Finance Minister, Christian Freeland's first budget will be tabled tomorrow. And given our minority parliament, the smell of impending election is in the air. And you know it is because it is just about all the opposition parties can talk about these days. Today, we take an on-your-mark, get-set look at the seven. Yes, kids, count them. Seven. Federal parties most likely to be stirring things up in the lead to the call. And talk about both the policy and public relations, public presentation strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats surrounding them. And yes, for those of you more wonkish types who are paying attention, we did just refer to SWOT analysis. We were originally also intending to take a look at the provinces, but this past week has revealed that we didn't know the half of it when it comes to just how badly the premiers from BC East through Quebec have screwed the pooch on their COVID responses. So there may be enough material now on that for a standalone episode. Stay tuned. So kids, I think it's time we get started, eh? On your mark, get set, here we go! So before we get started, you may have noticed that I've been saying words like we and are and us a few times, but I've been the one doing all the talking. That means it must be time to introduce you all to my co-host, general partner in crime, guy who knows how all the knobs and buttons work and from whom I promise I will learn to do the same, and guy who makes this podcast sound so good. And not only thanks to the classic FM bass in his voice. Kits, meet Mr. Grizzly. Hello, Kits. How are you? <laughs> Hello, Mr. Grizzly. How, How are you doing? doing today? I'm great. I'm, I'm, I couldn't be better. It's uh, a glorious sunny Monday in the nation's capital where I am. And hey, what can you say? Budget's being released today. Hopefully we're going to see things that are going to help make everyone's lives better. I would like that very much. I think so. I think that'd be great. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear you're doing well. I know that you had a little bit of a rough day yesterday, and we took some time to practice some self-care. Yes, it's important. Um, you know, the migraine can really sideline a person from time to time, and uh, I did just that. It was like, no, I'm just going to put everything on hold for a few hours and take care of myself. I think that was the right thing to do, and, you know, I'm glad to have you here in tip-top shape 
and so that we could deliver the best product we can for our listeners. Well, that's that's so, what we want to do, right? That's exactly what we want to do. Exactly. Shall we get to it then? Okay. As I had mentioned earlier, the current situation is this. The three major federal parties have all recently held their policy conventions. The federal government will table its long-awaited budget today, and with polls indicating that Trudeau liberals are once again flirting with majority territory, the smell of an impending election, and opposition parties pooping their pants in fear of one, is in the air. So why not take a look at where our seven major federal parties, Maverick, PPC, Greens, The Bloc, NDP, Conservatives, and Liberals stand at this point, starting with the Green Party of Canada. The Greens chose a new leader, Annamie Paul, on October 3rd. She made history by being the first Black Canadian and first Jewish woman to be elected leader of a federal party in Canada. And she has been described as having some game. According to Wikipedia, Paul was the founder and executive director of the Canadian Centre for Political Leadership from 2001 to 2005, and has worked in civic engagement and international affairs positions, including in political affairs at Canada's mission to the European Union, and in the office of the prosecutor at the International Criminal Court. So she brings some really solid credentials. Paul has been pretty good at securing a decent amount of visibility, like when she had a chat with Premier Legault of Quebec about systemic racism, the existence of which he still appears to have difficulty acknowledging. The party was hit with a hint of scandal the very next day, when its recently hired new executive director, Pratik Awashti, resigned two days after a CBC News report that, quote, the party was in turmoil over the handling of an internal investigation into his behavior and harassment complaints, filed in 2019 by a group of engineers without borders employees, end quote. According to a CBC article posted October 4th, the complaints included, quote, claims of aggressive behavior in meetings, talking to employees in a demeaning tone, and contributing to a toxic work environment, according to the two former employees with direct knowledge of the matter. An internal Engineers Without Borders investigation found no evidence of harassment as of June 2019, and added the organization's Human Resources Department concluded there was a workplace conflict in Awashti's team, according to internal emails viewed by CBC, end quote. More recently, there has been more trouble in Green Paradise. According to an April 7th Toronto Star article, quote, allegations surfaced suggesting some senior party officials may be deliberately sabotaging the work of new party leader Annamie Paul. Green Party organizer Sean Yeo and other party insiders say Paul, the first Black woman to lead a federal political party, has faced, quote, significant resistance from high-ranking party officials since she became leader. It is further alleged that not only was Paul ordered to refund $50,000 to the party headquarters in the midst of her unsuccessful 2020 Toronto area by-election campaign, but also was forced to work as leader for nearly three months without pay before she finally was given an employment contract. Quote, it's very hard not to see this process through the lens of race, gender, and religion, yo told the star, adding that while he wasn't trying to portray the party as overly racist, he did observe that the leadership level of this organization is primarily white. In 2021, that means something, end quote. Along with Green Party Fund representative Kate Story and Beverly Eert, a co-member of the Green Party's most powerful governing body, the Federal Council, the third major obstacle appears to be former leader Elizabeth May's husband, John Kidder. Paul has a more militant, less conciliatory brand than Miss May, which could cause the party to lose its distinction with the NDP. 
and the Let's Do Politics Differently vibe has taken a hit as she is alleged to be more of a top-down type leader, which rubs green culture the wrong way. Finally, the drama has had consequences as Sean Yo turned down the job as the party's national campaign manager for the next federal election when he still didn't have an employment contract weeks after he was selected for the role. Paul opposed the federal council's decision to hire Dana Taylor as the party's executive director, but was overruled, and once on the job, Taylor potentially retaliated by firing Matthew Piggott, a volunteer on Paul's leadership campaign, as the Greens Party's national field director for the next election. The party has consistently been polling between 6 and 7.5% nationally for the past year. And in addition, there seems to be a push from certain sectors of the party to encourage Miss May to not run again in her seat in Saanich Gulf Islands to make room for Paul. Mr. Grizzly, yes. this is, these are not things that we would typically come to expect from the Green Party. Is the Green Party just becoming a real party with all the foibles of all the others? Or well, what do you think? Uh, you know, I read something not too long ago um, that a friend of mine pointed, me, pointed out to me. My, uh, this is a buddy of mine who I've known for a long time, and he's very much a staunch conservative. And he said, I'm starting to lean more towards the Green Party. And I went, um, what? He goes, yeah, they're just the conservatives with a bent for the climate. And I went, oh, I, I really, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know where that comes from, because back in the days of the progressive conservatives, when we had Prime Minister Mulroney, he was declared at some point to have been the greenest prime minister of the last 20 or 25 years. And one of the reasons for that was because Miss May, when she was part of the Sierra Club, did work very closely uh, with Mr. Mulroney uh, to try and uh, give him that credentials. So, I mean... The party, at least when it was led by her, did have some real progressive conservative bona fides, but traditional progressive conservative bona fides, yes. right? A la Joe Clark, not, not what a la we Stephen Harper. Have. Yes, yeah. They're, they're, and there's a tremendous difference between the two, right? It's not the, the party. World. Oh, yeah. The party of, of, of Joe Clark and Brian Mulroney is not the current conservative party of Canada. It's not. They're not. They're, no, it's, it's the reform party with a slightly different badge. Precisely. So uh, the Greens had a great opportunity, I found, in the last election to try and, you know, take some of that space to build some credibility with the section of the conservative voters that were serious about the climate and weren't finding a home based on their policies. But that was never really explored. No, I think they dropped the ball on that because um, they, they could have... Th- speculation of course I think they could have picked up a lot of new constituents new voters new members to the party by by courting them you know yep I I agree I I think that was an opportunity that was right there for them and uh, they missed it and then of course you know Mr. Singh did quite a hatchet job on the Greens during the past election which you know I mean, strategically, it was, I guess, the right move for him. It certainly didn't earn him Miss May's respect, however. No, and, uh, you know, everybody has a different opinion of Miss May. But um, 
most people on the Hill have a great deal of respect for her as an individual. They may not necessarily see eye to eye with her politics, but nobody wants to debate her. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> she knows her stuff. Right? Yes. She comes with receipts and facts. And oh, yes. She will nail you to a wall. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I remember She's got the... that Nancy Pelosi thing, right? Where they, they say about her, like, you know, she can decapitate you and you won't even know you're bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, precisely. I remember, you know, a bunch of years back when they were having a national debate, and uh, the parties in power at the time, uh, back when uh, Stephen Harper was prime minister, uh, they were having a, they wanted to have a national debate, and they said, "Well, no, she she has no reason to sit here at the at the table. She doesn't have any seats, so they're not a national party." And my argument with that was, "Well, why is the Bloc Québécois there then?" They're like, "Well, the Bloc Québécois has many seats." I go, "Yeah, but they only represent the province of Quebec. They don't have seats anywhere else in the country. They don't have." Anybody running in any riding outside of the province of Quebec, Miss May's party runs coast to coast to coast. So that's a national party. Mm-hmm. Yep. To, to me, the, uh, I think a lot of people in debate keep on forgetting that a national party is pretty much any party that is registered with Elections Canada. Right. Whether you run in all it's the irrelevant. states or not. Right. There's no big secret rule of what makes a national party or not it's you're registered with elections canada and you run in a federal campaign and that's pretty much all the qualifications there are period technically mm-hmm. <laughs> so a lot of people do get get wrapped up in that but you know we, we need to be clear that yes the even though the block only runs in one they run at the federal level therefore they are technically a, yes, a national party yeah but yeah. yeah they've made the system work for them right yes they have they have. So I mean, you can't, you can't. Don't hate the player. No, <laughs> don't hate the player. Hate the game. And, and look, you know, whether whether you see eye to eye with their politics or not is another thing altogether. I I don't, but I will respect their um, their ideology to a certain degree. To a certain degree, uh, this whole other area that they're getting into with uh, <laughs> banning the burqa. It's like, wait a second now. Yes. So but you, uh, you made it illegal to wear the burqa, and now you're insisting everybody wear a mask everywhere they go. A guy got arrested in a park in Montreal yesterday because he wasn't wearing a mask. Do you not see some irony there? Because I do. <laughs> <laughs> but getting back to the greens, um, what do you think is their opportunity this uh, coming election campaign? Uh, you know that's a difficult one. There was a, there was a young woman who was ri- uh, running in my riding um, last uh, federal election, and uh, when they were when they were campaigning and doing the door knocking thing, they uh, sent out some young individuals who ideological, um, very concerned about the climate, very concerned about the future, as they should be. Fully respect that. And the young lady in my riding, I think she was about twenty five or twenty six. Now that's no knock against somebody who's that young. But that's, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really young. But hey, you know, if, if, if you can get in there and you can do something good, that's great. But the people they had knocking on the doors were, um, how do I say this? Uh, the individual that came in my writing was um, not, it's like, <laughs> I'm stumbling here. I'm trying to say the right thing without saying the bad thing. But effectively <laughs> what he said was, and I kid you not, we were sitting out on my buddy's porch having cigars and scotch on a Wednesday night. And he says, yeah, we're from the Green Party. And so there was two sort of handlers and this young guy who couldn't have been more than 22 or 23. And we said, yeah, well, you know, he says, 
he hands up uh, the, the the flyer and says, "Yeah, she's way hotter in real life." And I went, "Oh God, you <gasps> no. did not just do that." And he did, and you could see his two handlers were like they shrunk, and we all we all sat and looked at one another like, "Oh, dude, mm, that is not no. what you do. <laughs> that is not what you do." So it's, I mean. <sighs> It's great that you have young ideological individuals that want to get involved with politics, but that is, man, sit down and have a conversation with them before you have them knocking on doors because I, we all sort of gave him the benefit of the doubt. Okay, he's young and dumb and he's, you know, whatever. But that's only because we're, you know, easygoing individuals. There are other people you're going to come across and say that to, and it is not going to go well. Well, not only is it not going to go well, but it's going to leave that impression of the party where basically they become disqualified for the X number for forever, some for some people, just because of that one thing. Exactly. Um, I'm wondering what their opening is uh, this time, because I don't actually see it, to be totally honest. Mm. Um, you know, the liberals seem to be doing a good job presenting a credible plan for climate change and the environment, which of course the Greens position, default position will always be, it's not good enough because if the plan is for the next incremental step, now they're not rather than for the whole enchilada, then the plan doesn't meet the target goals right away. And therefore it's not good enough and the Greens will accept nothing else. So it's being a little, they've basically taken themselves out of the debate. Yes. basically that way uh the ndp uh while it's having issues uh like this people seem to like to genuinely like mr singh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh so he does have a benefit of the doubt there he has a built-in buffer uh where he didn't have it last time where it would be uh Last time it would have been easier to try and for the Greens and the NDP to be fighting to not be fourth. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like this. Whereas this time, I think that uh, Mr. Singh, for all his faults, did be build a little bit of a buffer a uh, bit, yeah. that uh, where he can weather some of the storm. Um, so I, I'm, I like her. Uh, I like what she has to say. I think that she's a good representative for the brand. She will be doing politics a little more differently than the way Miss May did, probably Mm -hmm. in a little more recognizable manner as a leader uh, for the rest of Canadians, which might be less confusing for them, but may create problems with the membership because they don't really have a leader. It's more of a grassroots leader just says what the party wants rather than set the tone. Um, But I I... I really wish her well, because I think that with her background, she's, I mean, she can sink some teeth into some very serious meat here. Agreed. But I just don't see the opening. I don't see the opening. No, and and I think, like you say, because the party is just not being flexible at all. It's like, it's all or nothing on their climate change. I'm like, guys, you gotta, it's not how politics goes. You know that. It's, It's a series of compromises. And if you're not willing to compromise at all, you're never going to get ahead. Yeah. And I think that if the, you know, the, the response, you know, we think that this is a serious, good step. It's not everything we want, but we encourage this in the hopes that it will bring about more mm-hmm. rather than this is not enough. It's not good enough. It's not fast enough. It's just not enough being the standard stock answer. I think you could probably go further with the first. Mm-hmm. Agreed. 
you know, there's uh, shades of gray, right? It's not black shades and white. Of gray. Yeah. All right. We move on to the Bloc Québécois. Ben oui. Le Bloc Québécois has dropped about 1.5% in national polling in the past year. In Quebec, that specifically translates to a drop of nearly six points from 34.4% at the end of March 2020 to 28.7% just this last Sunday. That would translate to a loss of about six or seven seats, or about 20% of its current seat count. By the way, all our numbers are sourced from 338canada.com. The drop in the polls, combined with the fact that most BQ MPs are new and need to be re-elected for a second term to get in six years of service before qualifying for pension platinum, probably means that the Bloc is not at all interested in having an election at the moment. The fact the party also appears to need to keep its leader, François Blanchet, gagged, hogtied, and stuffed in a basement freezer to stop him from saying racist shit, and to keep from catching up with him an alleged past of offering drugs for sex and having sexually assaulted a woman in a strip bar bathroom where a music video was being filmed over 20 years ago, back in the days he was the manager of then highly popular and highly troubled rock star Eric Lapointe. In addition, there is no love lost between Quebec Premier François Legault, who views Blanchet as a bit of a parasite. The BQ's leader's job is the easiest one in Parliament. Just take anything for which the Assemblée nationale de Québec votes and make it your policy. Legault, a federalist-ish <laughs> view, is that he already leads the government, thank you very much, and thus doesn't need separatist Blanchet to play middleman or get slash take credit. Legault has strategically been squeezing Blanchet out of the discussion by recently showing a more conciliatory, yet totally fake, face to Prime Minister Trudeau. The need for the Bloc Québécois to remain relevant, it currently is a balance of power party, and if it does lose those six to seven seats, balance of power status likely is lost with it. May explain why the Bloc Québécois voted this week, along with the Liberals, to shut down one of the two committees investigating investigating the rash of rape, sexual assault, and general sexual impropriety within the highest ranks of our military. Reich's raggy. Mm. <laughs> and they said Canadian politics were boring. Gee, <laughs> <laughs> sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> all, in, all in one party. How's that even possible? Like, uh... yes, with a soupçon of racisme. <laughs> Uh, so, oh my god uh, you, you, you know, know what this again this is a disappointment yes uh, because i remember back in the days when we had monsieur Dusset. no like this you may not have agreed with the party's ideology but by the time he was done with the bloc quebecois i remember little old ladies throughout canada looking forward to the debate so they can look at his beautiful blue eyes <laughs> <laughs> and hear him speak with that accent in english uh the thing with Mr. Duceppe is that he, even though he, you, know, you would not agree with separatism or sovereignty, mm-hmm. he had uh, an integrity. Now, his position was is that if a policy was good for Quebec, then he would vote for it. And if it wasn't good for Quebec, well, he wouldn't vote for it. You know, well, Canada is a G7 nation. I mean, pretty much anything that's good for Canada is good for Quebec. Period. For the most part. For the most um, part. I guess. So we always knew that on almost anything related to our democracy, if Gilles Doucette was saying, 
we were having the wool pulled over our eyes like this, it probably was true. He had that Elizabeth May factor, mm-hmm. this where he could afford to be brutally honest with us about what the real poop was because he had nothing to lose. Well, he knew he was never going to become prime minister. It was just not but, going to ever happen, right? Exactly. But, you know, when it came to the separatist stuff, you had to take it with a grain of salt, of course. But on mm-hmm. everything else, there was no reason for him to lie. No, no, there really wasn't. Um, yeah. So you knew you could go to him for the straight poop. There was a certain amount of integrity there that just doesn't seem to exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I was really disappointed because the Bluck had a really tough time switching like leaders, about three or four leaders in very quick succession. And they did a flirtation with the right. But, uh, you know, this is a, a leftist party in its essence. I mean, the Bluck mm-hmm. is essentially the NDP, but with a separatist mandate, policy wise. And I've tried to explain that to people before. And they go, what do you mean? And I go, dude. They have a, a child care program that no other uh, province in the country has. They have mm-hmm. all these, uh, well, if I back it up a second or two. My late uncle was, um, he was the captain of the Montreal Police Department back in the 70s and 80s. He retired in 1982, I believe. And uh, he was very much a federalist. And uh, when tax time came around, you didn't want to be anywhere near him because he got upset, <laughs> you know, because you got to do your federal return and your provincial return. It's not just one return. It's Quebec. It's different. Yes. And he's like, every year I got to write another bloody check. And he used to get so upset about it. But he did see the difference it made because mm-hmm. they had programs that, that, that really did prop up the province. I mean, the national, the, the um, provincial child care program that they have in the province of Quebec has shown that during its lifetime, it has put more money back into the system than it ever precisely. took out. Precisely, precisely. Um, so, I mean, that's that's a very uh, a social democratic program. That is the NDP with a little bit of separation involved. Exactly, and which explains why the NDP was so easily able to supplant the bloc mm-hmm. when the Orange Crush came along. Oh, yes. Because they were speaking the same language. You know, the NDP just needed a salesman that, you know, the people of Quebec could buy, and Le Bon Jack mm-hmm. was it. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, I miss but, Jack. Oh, yeah. In, in, a, in a way, I do. I, I miss the personality. I have a couple of beefs of what he did. As to do I. The first child care program that was supposed to happen. Yeah. But, it, it, you know, that it, it was the political commercials when he goes, Jack is on your side. It's like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to listen to what he has to say, right? He, he demanded he your attention. He was authentic, yeah. 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 And again, I had beefs with him, like anybody would with any politician in any political party. No Precisely. way in this world am I ever going to ever see eye to eye with every politician, no matter. And I voted for all the, well, not all the parties. I've never voted black, of course, because I live in Ontario. But, you know, I've, I've voted green. I've voted conservative. I've, I've voted liberal. I, uh, I've voted NDP. It, it depended, Similar. you know, it, who was the best uh, candidate in my riding. Because yep. we don't elect a, a prime minister. We elect a parliament. Exactly right. We have 338 mini elections. You elect the person you're writing and the prime minister by convention becomes so because he or she leads the party that got the most seats. That's right. People and seem to forget that. Yeah, we forget that often. <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm not voting for Trudeau. Well, unless you live in his riding, you can't. <laughs> Precisely. Um, Sorry, I went off. But, no, they, that's good. That's what this show's for. Uh in the last election, however, Blanchet did something that was really good, especially in the French debate, the TVA debate, when he basically pretty much pantsed Andrew Scheer in front of everyone uh, <laughs> and destroyed him. 
uh, he was uh, very good cutting away the noise and just getting down to the nub of it. And uh, but there was a little bit of a pompous. To, 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 I'm going to tell you how it happens here in Quebec blah, 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 type attitude to his mm-hmm. delivery, which was off-putting. But I didn't really mind it at the time because Andrew Shear was getting the brunt of it. And he so deserved it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's the, that's the thing. It's like, I don't care for that. But yeah, this guy's a, well, I don't, I don't think about him, right? I try to forget <laughs> about him. I, I'll uh, give you an anecdotal that- story about him in a minute. But that does not did not translate very well. No. For example, the House of Commons when the uh, you know for example when Mr. Singh had that incident with the the MP Alain Terrien, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and he did that sort of like dismissive gesture like this, and then Alain Terrien would not come to the press at all to talk about what happened, would not be accountable, would just hide behind Daddy's pant leg. Yes, I guess reprehensible then, behavior. Yes, and then you know, Daddy's pant leg. Well, you know that's. Francois Blanchet, and he's not much better because, you know, he's he's allowed him to not have any accountability, and then since then he himself has made a couple of comments that were very questionable. It caused a couple of eyebrows to cock up. Let's put it that way. Uh, So yeah, he's. uh, I I think it's showing now. It's it's starting to show in the polls. You know, Mm -hmm. the, Mm -hmm. the the drop is there and. There's a lot of room for the block to screw up and not have very much consequence mm-hmm. to it as well, because Quebec is a weird thing, given the segmentation of the vote along both the federalist separatist urban rural divide and the Montreal Ville de Quebec liberal conservative divide. But the truth is, with Legault getting along well with Trudeau and the issue of Bill 21 being pretty much dead, I really don't see what issue the block will be able to exploit. And with that, kiddies, I think it's time for us to make like Destiny's Child and pay them bills, bills, bills. So we'll catch our breath and wet our whistles as we bring you a word from one of our kind and lovely founding sponsors. Hey there, Mr. Grizzly. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing really good. Hey, have you heard about the Miss V Mysteries yet? No, I don't believe I have. Oh, well, then you really need to. The Miss V Mysteries is an LGBTQ plus cozy mystery series written by Delilah Knight. Miss V is 60, trans, and obsessed with all things 50s. From her kitten heels to her chic bob, Miss V is a lady through and through. When her late aunt's lawyer is found murdered and clutching V's favorite Chanel jacket, she is immediately arrested. Can she find the real killer before local law puts her away for good? Will she be forced to trade 50s rock and roll for jailhouse blues? Do prisons even have a happy hour? I don't know about that. Oh, I sure hope they do. Oh, goodness, yes. Must be happy at least one hour a day in there. (laughs) (sighs) Miss Fee and the Lettuce Lawyer is the first book in a humorous, cozy mystery series from bi-ace author Delilah Knight. On sale now wherever e-books are sold, Paperback copies are also available. Or call your local library and ask them to get it in. Signed copies available at www.corvidmoonpublishing.com. That's www.corvidmoonpublishing.com. The Miss V Mysteries by Delilah Knight. Get it. And we're back. Before the break, we dealt with the Greens and the Bloc Québécois. In this section, 
we'll tackle the NDP and Liberals. Canadians really want to like the NDP, and they seem to like its leader, Jagmeet Singh. But they just can't. Canadians like his authenticity, but are put off by him seeming not to know on which foot to dance at any given moment. Mr. Singh's political statements often indicate a lack of appreciation that he is no longer an MPP at Queen's Park, but rather a leader of a national party. He also way too frequently agrees to a conservative NDP tag team to attack liberals, which does not help to make his the party of second choice for more progressive liberal voters who see him as regularly putting sticks in the spokes. This party is a mess. For one, it still seems to not have built much of a coordinated outfit with the BC and Alberta provincial versions of the party. Leading into its convention, the party tried to make a splash by announcing it had paid down all its debt from the previous election and had made a major pre-election advertisement buy with spots on Hockey Night in Canada. It was all supposed to send the message, yes, the NDP is ready to replace the Liberals as Canada's progressive option. Then came the convention. Resolutions on defunding the military, abolishing billionaires, and once again the requisite perennial Israel-Palestine motion that makes Canadians' eyeballs roll upwards. In addition, in addition, there were technical glitches and unexpected airings of dirty laundry, such as the quite surprising revelations of scandals surrounding the seizure of Canada's NDP Women's Council's funds and its inability to replenish itself, and the hoarding of election expense refunds. According to the council, it had discovered that there were no rules to administer its fund, formerly known as the Agnes McPhail Fund, so it fixed this in the lead-up to the 2019 federal election. It claims to be, quote, disappointed with the level of support offered to us by the federal party. When the NDP website was updated in the late 2018-early 2019s, the Women's Commission page was removed along with those of other commissions and committees. Additionally, the links to our fund, as well as that of the Persons Living with Disability Committee, have been broken the entire length of our term. This means that, with the exception of donors who contribute through regular pre-authorized payments, our funds cannot be replenished. The Commission suffers from an inability to communicate effectively with our sister organizations at the provincial and territorial level. We are dismayed that the party does not keep an active list of provincial and territorial women members across Canada. In addition, our repeated requests to have a unique email address for the Commission has been described as lacking priority. Prior to the 2019 election, our fund balance was over $100,000. Last month, we learned that the fund had been emptied despite our request to hold a portion back in the event of a minority government situation, end quote. On the elections expenses front, according to Elections Canada, quote, the Canada Elections Act provides for partial reimbursement of 60% of paid election expenses and eligible paid candidates' personal expenses if the conditions for reimbursement are met. A candidate's campaign is eligible for reimbursement if the candidate was elected or received at least 10% of the valid votes, and filed the candidate's electoral campaign return, the auditor's report, and the checklist for audits within the original or extended filing deadline." End quote. Well, turns out one of the reasons the NDP could pay down its debt so fast is, in addition to Mr. Singh's personal popularity and the seizure of party council assets, because the party decided prior to the last election to keep 100% of the refunds at party headquarters, then share the wealth as the NDP is typically want to do, with the candidate or writing associations. Currently, the policy is expected to remain in place for the next campaign. For sake of comparison, according to an April 10th CBC article, quote, 
During the 2015 election, the NDP and Liberals transferred only 40% of the rebates back to the candidates. The Liberal Party tells CBC News it still retains 60% of the refunds. In 2019, NDP headquarters increased the share of rebates it kept from 60 to 100%. The Conservatives say that candidates are allowed to keep all of their refunds, fulfilling a promise party leader Aaron O'Toole made during the leadership campaign. The Green Party says it does not keep any portion of the rebates. End quote. All of it together creates a not-quite-ready-for-prime-time vibe that could hobble the party. The NDP has dropped two points in the polls since an annual high reached in December, but that is still about two points higher than it was at this time last year. But Jagmeet Singh could yet prove to be Canada's luckiest politician and fail upward a second time due to the fact that Jagmeet is inherently likable and his main rival for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's job not only isn't likable at all, but unlike the case for Mr. Singh, is seemingly also disliked by his own party. Mr. Grizzly, what's your take? Well, um, <laughs> yikes. Yeah, um, I mean, come on. I like Jugmeat. I really do. He's, um, he's a likable guy. I, I like a lot of his policies. But the party seems to be just at war with itself right now. I mean, I've met Jugmeat a couple of times. He's an exceptionally good-looking, very kind, soft-spoken man. And mm-hmm. I wish I had his wardrobe. The mm-hmm. man knows how to dress, right? Does he ever. He really does. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's not, that's, that's, you know, it's kind of like, that's a strange thing for a straight man to say. But you have to understand, too, it's like, I, I'm almost dumbing it down to him as an object like women get done to them on a daily basis, right? Mm-hmm. especially in politics. And I don't mean to do that. I'm just citing what is blatantly obvious about the man. But like I said, the party seems to be at war with itself. Um, you know, they, they had that whole thing just the other day about defunding the military, and he came out and said, no, we're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Which was the right decision. It is the right decision. I mean, how can we defund the military and still we can, we'd be out of NATO in a split second? We don't even pay what we're supposed to. So the party seems to be at war with itself internally. And I, I don't know what to think, man. I really don't. <laughs> Neither do I in this instance. Uh, I seriously think that the NDP needs to consider a whole new approach to federal politics. It seems that the NDP is very focused on trying to replace the Liberals as Canada's progressive option. They're Mm -hmm. trying to, uh, they want Canada to be a two-party state, a bit like the United States. There's only room for conservative voice and only room for one progressive voice. And they're in competition with the Liberals to be that progressive voice. I think that if the NDP made the switch to be in competition with the Conservatives to be Canada's natural government in waiting, Mm -hmm rather than the progressive option, mm-hmm. it would have much better luck at finishing at least second rather than perennially third or right. lower, because right lower. now it's sitting fourth, right, behind the block. But also, when it is already second, sometimes you happen to be in the right place at the right time, and the government of the day just needs to be spanked, and you get the job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, it, it, you know, there, there's sort of a... Like you say, they want to be the next Liberal Party. I was like, but wh- why are they trying to do that? I don't think it's so much that they want to be the next Liberal Party, but they want to be Canada's natural governing party. But we mm-hmm. already have one. We already have one. <laughs> we do. We already have one. So, yeah, it's, it's. oh man, the party's a mess is all I can say. 
and it's a shame because there's so much of the party platform that I, f- I really do believe in. There's some elements that I'm like, whoa, hang on a sec here. But again, like I said earlier, and I will say this till you know the cows come home, I'm never going to see eye to eye with any political particular party. It just, it's not possible. It's too, it, the world's too complex. It's too convoluted, I con- right? I concur. I concur. That's the uh, that's why I say I'm a GDI. I'm goddamn independent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, exactly. if you run a good, if you run a good campaign, you have some good policies, and you show me that you're the one that's supposed to get it this time, you will get my vote. That you're taking the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly what it is. That's how I feel. You know. See, see my thing is that Canada is a two-thirds somewhat progressive country country Mm -hmm. you know if we count like from actual progressive conservatives genuine ones all the way down to let's Mm -hmm. say the greens so it's a why it is that we insist that the discussion the two-party discussion be be between liberal and conservative one person builds something and the other person undoes it rather than liberal and ndp wouldn't canada be a much better party for those of us on the progressive side like this, if when we needed to spank the liberals, we would promote the NDP, mm-hmm. who would build upon what is already there, rather than the conservatives who just tear it down apart. each time. You know, and, and there was a time, there was a time when it wasn't so partisan, it was bipartisan, you know, mm-hmm. where they would say, you know what, you're right, uh, this thing you built here, this is actually a good thing. We're going to, we're yeah. going to keep this in place. Let's, let's keep rolling with this. And instead, the last 30 years plus, it's just, it's gotten progressively worse to the point where, like you just said, we built this. Yeah, we don't like it. We're going to tear it down. Yeah. Why? It, and that's our money. They're doing it. have spent the money to build it. Exactly. Why are you tearing it down? Don't do it's, that. It's like somebody built a nice house and you go, I like the windows, but I don't like the rest. So you tear down the house and keep the windows. Like, why? 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 <laughs> It just makes no sense. It's so frustrating. I just want to see them work together. Bipartisan politics. Work together. Work together. I agree. And that's what Canadians want. But for some reason, our parties seem to be insisting on wanting to make sharp distinctions out of things that almost have no difference. Well, and if you ask any Canadian, would they prefer a two-party system? I'm pretty sure they'd all say, are you out of your mind? No, we don't want that. That's the last thing I want. I mean, look at the situation south of the 49th. It's a mess. Exactly. And it's so there's so a place divided. for this voice. Exactly. Moving on to the current governing party, the Liberals. No sooner were the Liberals re-elected, they had to deal with a rail blockade, Iran shooting down a plane, and an emerging global pandemic. Considering all the crap that has come their way, the Liberals appear to be in very good shape. Last summer, they had hit a high of 40%, but slipped down to a low of 33 in February, during the worst of the production stoppage for retooling at the Belgium Pfizer plant. However, vaccine delivery has recovered, and so has the party, having regained nearly five of the seven points it has lost to sit at 37.7%, which right now is slim majority territory. The party is seen as having done a relatively good job in managing that for which it is responsible with regard to the pandemic. 
but not without hitting a few speed bumps, such as the We Charity issue and the recent revelation that many businesses abused of the Canadian Emergency Wage Support Program. The main thing the Liberals have done right is to put out the message that the Trudeau government will have Canadians back for as long as it takes. It is a promise from which many Canadians perceive the Prime Minister as not having wavered or waffled. The stability and security that promise offered, Canadians will likely go down as the best decision the party could have made, especially back when now thankfully merely Florida man was still President of the United States of America and providing such a sharp, uncaring contrast. The party recently held its policy convention and most of the news from it was positive. It was well organized, with members voting in favor of policies such as Pharmacare, a 10-year national mobilization plan to achieve net zero emissions by 2050, a universal basic income, which received impressive support at 77%, and reform the country's long-term homes care system by introducing new legislation to set enforceable national standards, a policy supported by a near-unanimous 97% of delegates. Highlights of the event were the partisan politics debut of former Governor of the Bank of Canada, Mark Carney, and a fireside chat between Finance Minister Christian Freeland and Ken Dryden, the architect of Canada's first national childcare program, which was scuttled by a successful NDP Conservative vote of non-confidence, during which Minister Freeland signaled she'd pick up that torch. Of course, the big moment was the leader's speech, and Prime Minister Trudeau delivered a barn burner. He clearly set aside his typical statesman persona to tear a pretty big strip off the Conservatives in particular, which I'm sure went down well with the partisan crowd. In short, if vaccine rollout continues to go well, it seems like not only is the upcoming election the Liberals to lose, but that a return to majority territory, albeit slim, is quite possible. However, the most infuriating thing for liberal partisans the past few years has been the party's uncanny ability to trip over the flowers in the carpet just as they open up a wide margin. The Aga Khan vacation, SNC-Lavalin, We Charity, all were ultimately unforced errors with which the opposition made lots of hay, and thankfully for the liberals, overreached. The party's issue, trying to engineer its own defeat to go into an election as it needs both the Bloc Québécois and the NDP, who currently both hold balance of power status, to coordinate with the Conservatives to take them down. And both are not anywhere near where they want to be in the polls to pull the plug. Mr. Grizzly, any thoughts? Well, sir, um, you know, when you, we're in a once-in-a-century global pandemic. And quite honestly... Um, I, I don't have an issue with the current government in the way that they've helped Canadians. Look, things like CERB and, and CEWS uh, saved a lot of lives in this process. Mm -hmm. I know a number of friends of mine that without CERB, I, I don't know that they would have made it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm on the receiving end of CEWS because my, my company was a, a, a recipient of such of said program, and without it, um, I wouldn't have survived. I wouldn't, because CERB, as good as it was, and it was a great UBI program, an introduction mm -hmm. to UBI, it was not enough to um, keep me afloat. But it's only because, you know, I'm at a certain stage in life and I have uh, 
costs that are a little bit more maybe than some younger people. I, mm-hmm. I don't even know how to word this in the sense that I don't want to diminish anybody's lot in life. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't earn a ton of money. I'm not wealthy. I'm, 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 I'm below middle class. Let's be honest. Okay. I, I, I have not hit the threshold that brings me into the middle class. I'm just below it, but, um, I live a modest lifestyle. I do. Mm-hmm. However, my employment requires that I need a vehicle and I have to lease a vehicle because my old vehicle that was 18 years old finally died. So I took on an, uh, the lease of a new vehicle in January and I went with a Honda Civic and it was like the cheapest thing I could get that would be reliable and meet my needs and it was it's basic entry level, right? Right. Well, all of a sudden I have an extra $400 a month I need to spend. Okay, well I have a vehicle allowance. Great, that covers that cost. Oh boy. Uh, now I don't have a job because the entire planet has come to a shutdown. So what did the liberals do? They, they came up with CERB and I applied for EI when I said, okay, uh, my boss, we, everything shut down around what, 14th, 15th of March, something like that. And, and we were kept on and I worked up until about the 23rd. And then we had a big meeting and, and the owner said, look, I got to shut everything down by the 31st. He says, I don't want to do this. The guy was crying. He was mm-hmm. literally in tears. He's like, I don't want to do this, but I don't have a choice. There's no money coming into the company. I have to let everybody go. He says, the thing is, when things turn around, everybody gets hired back. And he was he stuck to his word on that. So what happened was we all got let go. We applied for EI. Uh, he told us on the 24th, and we got let go on the 31st. Like that was our last day of work. But we didn't actually work. We were just, you know, hanging out. So HR is like, fill out your EI, tell them your last day of work is on this date, blah, 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 blah. So I fill out all the forms, the EI, I get a check. Uh, like two days after I fill out the forms, CERB, I had a CERB check in my account. I'm like, what, what the hell? I so I freaked. I'm like, can I, am, is, am I good? Can I take this? I mean, I was, I needed it. I was desperate for it because I was like, I was, I was going to run out of money in a short time period. It's like, okay, I can dip into the savings, but there's not a lot of savings there anymore. My personal story is different, but whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's millions of Canadians that are in my same boat. So when the CERB came in and then I got an EI check and then they said, okay, the government has come up with uh, the Canada Employment Wage Subsidy where they're now going to subsidize 75% of wages for small companies. And I went, (sighs) like the Mm -hmm. the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. Yeah. And like you said, there are probably millions. Millions. Multiply that by millions, millions of different versions. And I think that is why the liberals are in good stead because while not everything was done perfectly no. and while they could not have foreseen everything and while there were some cracks this there are a government that let people know that they were going to have our backs right from the get-go they were a government that was nimble they were a government that did take in criticism as it was going and change programs on the fly unlike a certain premier from ontario uh-huh. or one from alberta mm-hmm. for example and you know they're the only party right now that is showing that they actually want to be a government. Exactly. They're creating programs. And while they're creating programs, they are still, you know, pursuing the environmental plan. They are still pursuing, uh, trying to remove the boil water advisories uh, on. They're still moving forward. 
the other work of the nation is still going on. They're trying to build stuff. And I'm not seeing where the other parties are necessarily presenting an agenda to build stuff. I'm seeing a lot of, we want to be the government so the liberals are not. That's what not all I'm seeing. Exactly. That's all I'm seeing. And it's yeah. so frustrating. It is. Like, I have friends who are in their 60s and 70s who we sit around and have a drink of beer and we talk politics. And most of these guys are independent business owners who are staunch conservatives. And here's where it gets interesting. All of them, every single one of them said, Serb was a lifesaver for millions of Canadians. And they did not for one split second think, well, you know, somebody's going to pilfer this. They go, we know people are going to steal. We know what's going to happen. I don't care. You can help the many. A few will take advantage. That's a given. It's always going to happen. Human so nature. It, it, why, should we punish the, the the many to, you know, make sure a few don't take advantage of the situation? And and every one of them were like, no, it was the right thing to do. And, and, and they all admitted, look, mistakes are going to happen, but people can't go to work. You need to help them right now. You need to right. help it was right the right now. thing to do. Give them they money. Always, every government always says that the first responsibility of a government is to keep their own people safe. And that's what the liberals did. They did they it. They let us know that people were going to be safe. They did not back down. They did not waver. They did not create any doubt. And that sense of security, I think, is what's going to secure them the win next election. Agreed. Agreed. All right. And with that, I think it's time to show our sponsors a little love by giving them some ad time. We'll be right back right after this. Hi, this is Mr. Grizzly telling you that, um, well, I don't have hands. I have paws and claws. But if I had hands, I'd be more than happy to wash them. And if a mask would fit over my giant snout, I'd be happy to wear it. But I live in the woods and climb trees for a living and eat salmon on occasion. You don't do that, so please, wash your hands, wear a mask, and remember to stay two meters apart. And if two meters is complicated, that's about the length of two hockey sticks on average. We good? Welcome back, kids. So, four down, three to go. And the three left are the federal political trifecta of Canada's conservative movement, the People's Party of Canada, the Maverick Party, and the Conservative Party of Canada. Oh, Lord have mercy. Where to start with this bunch? For all the drama going on with the Green, Bloc Québécois, and NDP, theirs collected and combined cannot come remotely close to the total and utter shit show that currently is the political wing of Canada's conservative movement. Provincially, Premiers Kenny, Ford, and Pallister will be bounced out on their backsides if an election were held tomorrow. But as one would expect, the fish rots from the head. The leadership convention which led to the selection of Aaron O'Toole was a disaster, and O'Toole himself has been nothing short of one as leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. He tripped right out of the blocks, showing, in my honest opinion, instantly disqualifying bad judgment when he broke one of the first rules of politics. Never try to make political hay of a health crisis. It will almost always backfire. He lined up for his COVID test and a photo op, not knowing he was COVID positive. Can you imagine what the headlines would have been had he infected anyone? Since then, it's been stumble after stumble, not being decisive about Derek Sloan early on, 
his unprompted apologia for residential schools, and showing utter contempt for Canadians by calling liberals and progressive students at Ryerson the dumbest people on campus. He's been seen as not rowing in the same direction as the rest of the team and being the biggest obstructionist in COVID emergency support programs being passed and implemented. And for some insane reason, he's already suggesting criminality by calling for a public inquiry, rather than an audit first, into how COVID money has been spent and talking about cutting supports to Canadians. He markets himself as big tent, but seems to be cool with free votes on championing conversion therapy and on sticking the thin side of the wedge into the abortion debate to see if the alleged issue of sex selection abortions will crack things open, which in no way helps to remove that seemingly permanent albatross around the party's neck. And if his stance on climate change was incomprehensible before his party's policy convention, during which the mere acknowledgement that the phenomenon was real provoked a mutiny, it was even more so afterwards. He overruled the grassroots to say he would act on climate change, but would still oppose a carbon tax. He ultimately tabled a carbon tax, but one that is less effective for which a bureaucracy will need to be created to set up those carbon accounts, the money from which you can spend only on what Big Daddy O'Toole first approves. Huh? These are supposed to be the conservatives, right? Predictably, the albatross issues and the O'Toole carbon levy, because Lord knows we can call it a toll, a surcharge, a fee, a levy, a deductible, but most absolutely definitely not a tax, have O'Toole in trouble with his party. O'Toole, given his 905 roots, is viewed suspiciously as not one of us on the prairies. His climate tax flip-flop won't help with that and is viewed suspiciously by the social conservative wing given his true political nature is classic progressive conservative. And he appears to have switched political personas totally during Scheer's short tenure. Now, normally this would not be a big deal for conservatives because they were the only game in town. But not anymore. Now, Maxim Bernier of the Q Party of Canada, let's call a thing a thing here, people, and Jay Hill, yet another recycled Harper reject, of the Maverick Party, are waiting in the wings with broad, welcoming smiles and outstretched open arms singing, Come to me, my children, while softly whispering into the ears of both the wackadoodle and the prairie protest posse wings of the CPC, whatever confirmation bias, grade A, Alberta, bovine, fecal matter, sweet nothings that will get them to empty their wallets to support the real patriots. Of course. Bernier recently traveled out of province to be seen at the Grace Life Church protest with Derek Sloan, sorry, pardon me, and Hill, who has been rather discreet, has started to pop out of the woodwork post-budget. Kits, I'm calling it. If it looks like Trudeau is running away to another majority, and O'Toole is as unpopular with the party faithful as word on the tweet would indicate, Canadians could be in for a 1993 situation once again, in which the bottom falls out of the awkward coalition of factions that formed the allegedly big tent National Conservative Party. First, with a mass migration of voters to the Maverick Party, thus turning it into a de facto bloc Saskaberta. Oh, the irony, which would then provoke the Q crew to flock to Max's way more crazy Q take on Reform 2.0. Mr. Grizzly? Well, mm, uh, 
well, I'm just gonna. You're having your Tudor twenty one seconds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss. Like it's so uh, split and 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 uh, splintered. Splintered is the word I'm looking for. It's so splintered. And they're all kind of saying the same damn thing in the end, which is, uh, to hell with the federal government, we can do our own thing. But but you can't. As and they're evidence, showing us that they can't. They, they, they've proven it to us that they can't. We're seeing it in real time. So Listen, Trudeau has given all these premiers everything that they needed. Right, right off the bat, they gave him at least 12 weeks and all the money so that you could lock down and bring him down to zero like this. And then we got to a certain point and they thought, good enough, let's try to do something else differently. So, you know, like this, you can blame Trudeau when stuff that happened, like, you know, the first wave, whatnot, the second and third waves, I'm sorry, that's all the premiers, right? Well, it, it, I mean, that, <laughs> so, billions of dollars, right? Trying, right. And the conservatives keep on trying to make Trudeau wear, wear this. And Trudeau has been like, if anything, infuriating in that he has been he has been respecting provincial jurisdiction. Completely. Everybody's been telling him, go in and clean it up, and he won't. And he won't because he knows you. You, in order for him to invoke the Emergency Measures Act, he needs a request in writing from the premier of whichever province needs it. And if he goes in and does it unilaterally, it just creates a whole brouhaha jurisdictional battle that takes away from having to actually actual doing the fight right now right we don't have time for this people are dying well we got time for that legally he can i read the act a couple of days ago and legally he can the emergency measures act allows him to just go in and unilaterally take over but that's like the, the 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 crap that the 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 for want of a better term the shit storm that will fall upon him after that yeah it's but it's all of this comes down to one thing, though, and I think which is the the thing that we see from the Conservative Party federally and from and from a lot of the provincial ones is that they just don't seem to be interested in governing at mm-hmm, all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Andrew Shear, unfortunately, in the last election campaign, literally was a rerun of the election campaign previously. He was presenting the same tax cuts, the same carbon thing. Uh, opposition as harper presented it was almost like they literally do believe that thing where they say you know it's like canadians love our policies but you know we have trouble communicating them no it's your policies your policies suck they're terrible presentation sucks and the anger sucks and the constant lies sucks and the memes suck and the constant ah trudeau is so stupid that if he puts his pants on correctly he'll have done a good thing but yet at the same time is this evil criminal genius mastermind who tried to overtake (laughs) and take down the entire government with snc and you know it's like pick lane man it's just damn schizophrenic well, which one is it, right? He can't put on his pants, he can't walk and chew gum at the same time, or he's an evil genius. He's Dr. Evil. Like, which one is it? It can't and, be both, right? And they present no policy. Zero. Harper tried to get through his last election campaign without publishing a policy platform. Andrew Scheer did two years as opposition leader without presenting any policy except moving the embassy to you know, Jerusalem after Trump had done it. Yeah. So it wasn't even original. It was plagiarized, copycatted. And O'Toole, so far, no policy either. He keeps on saying that he's got to have a plan. I mean, his his last plan had five points in it. And the five points were secure this, secure this, secure this. So your plan is to secure something five different ways. 
that's not a plan. <laughs> well, and 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 I, this may be a little off topic, so you know, if you need to cut me off, feel free. But so Aaron O'Toole's going on about his his enrollment in the RCAF. Okay, so first off, when he was in the Canadian Forces, the CF, it was not the RCAF. It was not the RCAF at the time. That changed names after he was out. Number one. Number two, he closed how many veterans affairs offices across the country mm-hmm. and slashed the budget by what? Was it 120 or $200 million? So stop trying to play up how great you are of a, 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 a great Canadian soldier who served in the military as a pilot. You weren't a pilot. You were a navigator. You were barely that. And you only did it to put yourself through law school. You, I'm going to censure <laughs> myself. I'm going to censure myself. But in that way, he has a similar issue as Cher again with the insurance salesman, right? Mm -hmm. The story is not exactly, it's the lack of authenticity. Agreed. Right? There's this Jekyll and Hyde act. He was a progressive conservative when he ran, when Cher won. And then the time after that, he's this true blue, I will have your back, Alberta, Saskatchewan person. Uh, Nothing seems to fit. And if he could figure out which of the six personalities he's presented to us so far that he would like to settle on, maybe he would have a chance. But the other day, he was like taking on Jagmeet Singh's personality. Let's try that one on for a while, right? Yeah. The the party doesn't seem interested in governing. The party does not seem ready for prime time. The party is fighting amongst itself. The party is on the verge of fracturing and fraying. This is not a party that anybody needs to vote for. And this is why I was saying that Jagmeet Singh might end up being the luckiest person in the world, mm-hmm. because if the bottom falls out from O'Toole and the votes start to split three ways, Jagmeet Singh could pick, could, up. Could, could pick up some seats, you know, or end up moving from fourth to third or something, because the conservatives in the current iteration, right? This will be their sixth election going into it with a Harper-like platform. And, and that platform has only gotten them to the holy grail of a majority once. 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 Why they keep on trying to present the same platform that was rejected five times, I do not know. I do not know. The party has become fat and lazy. It is bereft of ideas. The one thing that that Bernier had right was saying that the party was bankrupt when it came to conservatism. There's nothing conservative left about this party. Zero. Zero. Yes. And there now, hasn't been for a Maxine while. Bernier doesn't have much to offer. He's not no. offering it either. But he was right. He called the problem right. He, he just doesn't have the solution. Well, I mean, even a broken clock is right twice a day, right? I mean, you know. Analog yeah. clock, not a digital. If you're looking at your phone and it's broken, that's a different story. <laughs> but an analog clock or an old school watch, if it's broken and it's not it's not moving anymore, it's still right twice a day. So, you know. Yeah. But you're absolutely so, right, sir. You're absolutely right. You've... To close off the section, in my humble opinion, I believe that the Conservative Party of Canada has not even earned the right to form the official opposition the next time around. It deserves some time in the sin bin. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. 
the liberals just had some time in the sin bin, you know, after ad scavenge to win a gate and everything. Mm-hmm. And they did deserve to be spanked after a while. And they were in third place for a while. And they went and got themselves you know, a couple of leaders <laughs> that, you know, that weren't so great like this, which did send them into third like this. But then after that, they got Trudeau and they, and they did the revamp. The, the being in third place allowed the party to do the cleaning house that they really wouldn't do as second because they think that you just need to tinker with the little things on the side and that will do. Exactly. Well, and, and when you're in they second, how much house cleaning do you need to do? You're in second and you're close to the front. You know, you can see the finish line, right? Yeah. They got spanked, deservedly so. They earned it and they licked their wounds and regrouped. And the same thing, I believe, needs to happen to the Conservative Party of Canada because right now there is nothing conservative about this party. They really don't have anything to offer. And frankly, Canada does work better when we have each political view has a rational, reasonable, and professional voice representing and speaking for it. And right now, Conservative Canadians across the board do not have that. No, they don't. They just do not. They don't. They don't. They 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 absolutely do not, uh, sir. You just nailed it. You've you've put the button on it. That's a perfect statement right there. We can end this segment and move on. All right, let's do that. And it just happens that it's time for commercial. Hello, kids. It's Mister Grizzly, your friendly neighborhood grizzly bear, who is asking you how much you like this program. And I'm asking you if, well, you like this show, you like what you hear, and we're happy to do this for you, if you'd be willing to, you know, throw us a couple of bucks as a tip. And the reason we do this, the reason we ask this question is because there are some production costs involved. We're happy to give this to you, but, you know, feel free to send us a couple of dollars over uh, coffee.com. And now the website is ko dash fi.com backslash eager beaver dollar two dollars fifty cents whatever whatever you can spare it helps us with our production costs mr beaver that's right mr grizzly the amount that we have recommended on the coffee site is three dollars but it can indeed be anything that you want uh buy mr grizzly a cup of coffee or me a cup of hot chocolate because after all you are what you drink We want you to know that we will be using these tips in part to invest in improving the quality of the show for you. We are looking to get better equipment, better sound, perhaps at a later date, correspondence, a web presence, maybe even filming for YouTube. The possibilities are endless. The show will grow with your support and encouragement, and your support and encouragement is always profoundly appreciated. If you would like to leave us a tip, Again, the web address is coffee.com backslash eager beaver. That's K-O hyphen F-I dot com backslash eager beaver. Thank you again. Well, kids, that's the end of our first episode of the Eager Beaver podcast. We hope you enjoyed it a good deal and will join us again because we had a ball putting it together for you. We welcome feedback in the form of compliments, bribes to be on the show, constructive criticism, gentle corrections if we got anything factually incorrect, happy stories of things that have happened to you or your dear ones, and participation in our weekly challenge. This week, we want to see your spring has sprung pictures. You can do all of that on our True North Eager Beaver Facebook blog page 
or on our Twitter feed by tweeting at TrueEager. And if you really like this podcast and wish to encourage us to do more, we work for tips. Please feel free to buy us a cup of coffee via our coffee page at ko-fi.com backslash Eager Beaver. From the Beaver Dam, this is your Eager Beaver saying, until next time, dear kids, it could be a tough world out there, so be kind to and gentle with yourselves. The True North Eager Beaver podcast is an Eager Beaver Mr. Grizzly collaboration, copywritten by the Eager Beaver, recording, production, editing by Mr. Grizzly, music courtesy of Ben Sound Royalty Free Music. Once again, thank you to our founding sponsors, The Peppermaster, The Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.